Welcome back to Chalk Talk, everyone. I'm Adam Petrus. And I'm Hale Hentges. And we are here with the legendary David Cap Kaplan. And if you're from the Chicagoland area or just love Midwest Pro Sports Team, you've probably heard or read Cap's work at some point in time. He currently hosts a daily TV show with NBC Sports Chicago and a daily radio show on ESPN. I'm going to call that 1,000 in Chicago. But over the past 20-plus years, he's analyzed college and pro basketball and baseball games for ESPN and NBC Sports, among other networks, written for the Chicago Tribune, hosted several radio shows on WGN Radio, played a prominent role in the ESPN documentary Catching Hell. I want to talk about this later. Been featured in the documentary Hoop Dreams. We'll talk about that one, too. Appeared as a guest on Oprah Winfrey. I mean, holy cow. And he won a prestigious Emmy Award for Best Interview Program for his work on Chicago Tribune Live, which was later known as Sports Talk Live. I mean, wow. Did I also mention that David was also a college basketball coach, an NBA scout for the Indiana Pacers and Seattle Supersonics back in the day? Or is this only just about half of the impressive May resume that you have, David? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the presence of a sports greatness sort of guy here. Cap, you're incredible. Thanks for being here. Well, you're too kind. I greatly appreciate you guys having me. I'm excited to talk shop with you, and uh, it just means I've been around a long time. I got to do a lot of cool. <laughs> I would uh, agree, and I, I'm sure that the Zebra Nation and all our friends out there listening are saying to ourselves, Cap is living the dream. Are you not? I am. I, I've never worked a day in my life. First of all, I was born, like some people are born really tall. Some people are born really strong, great athlete, whatever. I was born with a motor. I did, it's the one, it was a gift that was given to me, that and a photographic memory and a love for sports. So, yeah, I'm very, very blessed. I get up every day, super early, 4 a.m. I go do radio. I don't get home till 7.30 at night after TV. And I don't feel like at the end of the day that I've ever worked a second. The days wow. get long time, but man, I get to talk sports in the Chicago area. Are you kidding? I grew up here. Talk about all our teams. I tick off some coaches and some players once in a while because <laughs> I only way to do it, be honest. But that's just who I am. Well, hey, then I'd say you're doing your job, and we'll call it a job, but certainly it is a passion, and I think we can all agree you are certainly blessed. Uh, but we're also, you know, blessed and enriched by the passion that you give to the coverage of all that you do. So certainly our hat's off to you, and we're excited to uh, roll up the sleeves here and talk a little bit about everything that you've got going on. So first let me ask, and I think other folks listening saying, this is quite a resume, but how did you make the jump from coaching college basketball to being a scout for the NBA to then sports broadcasting? So I was a, first of all, I, I was an athlete, but I was not ever going to play professionally. And I'm like, my brother's an eye surgeon trained at Mayo Clinic. My late mom, a dietitian, my late father, a criminal defense attorney who had a case in the U.S. Supreme Court, was number one in his law school class. All of them, great wow. students. And then there was me. I was, <laughs> I can't sit still, and I'm the guy who just, I had to work in sports. So my senior year of college, I was on the, played football in college at Division Three, and I am walking to the student center 
to get my mail out of my P.O. box. And I see a sign up there. It says, this local high school, Kellogg High School, is looking for an assistant basketball coach. And I'm thinking, well, I could do that job. So I call. And this coach answers the phone. And I tell him I'm a college student. He said, yeah, we're looking for, a, like, a student assistant. Pays $1,000 for the season. And I'm thinking, hey, now. This, this is 1981-82 season. And I'm thinking a thousand bucks in my fraternity. That's going to buy a whole lot of beer, man. We're going to have a good time. So I <laughs> Your head was in the right place. <laughs> so I go interview with this guy and we get done with the interview. He's like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. You got it. Job's yours. So nice. I'm the junior varsity coach, head coach, and then the assistant varsity coach. And you would have thought that I was coaching the North Carolina Tar Heels. For me, it was like the greatest thing in the world. So I coach this team, the season ends, and now I graduate. And my parents are like, what are you going to do for a living? Well, I'm hooked. <laughs> I got sports, but how am I going to make a living out of it? So my my dad's telling me, you've got to go to law school. You've got to get your law degree, then go do whatever you want. I have zero interest in any more higher education. But I apply, I get in, and I have less than zero interest in going. And so I graduate college. It's May, early May of 82. I pick up the newspaper, and there's a column every day in the paper. It's still in there today. It's the transactions column and the little agate type, and it'll say, Washington Commander signed so-and-so, and the Chicago Cubs traded this guy. And in it, it says, Purdue University fired their assistant basketball coach now to show you how naive and idiotic i was i'm 21 years old i've had one year of jv head coaching experience and i think i can coach purdue so i pick up the phone i call directory assistance there's no computers back then i old called school, yeah 411 directory assistance yeah do you have a phone number for purdue university men's basketball the lady gives me the number. Now, I haven't called that number in 30 years. I could tell you that number today, and I'll bet you it still works. The area code might have changed, but I know the number, 494-3214. And I call it. Secretary answer, Purdue Basketball. Yeah, could I speak to Coach Katie, please? Gene Katie. He's in the Hall of Fame. Guy's a legend. Uh, yeah, who's calling? You tell him David Kaplan's calling from Kellogg High School in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay, hold on. He gets on the phone. said, Coach, I saw you just fired your assistant. I'd like to apply for that job. Yeah, what's your level of experience? Um, I was the JV coach at this high school. He chuckles. Uh, how old are you? 21. Do you have anybody on your team that could play at Purdue? Uh, no, sir. We, I do not. We don't have anybody good enough to play at Purdue. Well, why don't you get 10 years experience to call me back? Thanks. And he hangs up. And I'm like, what the? How could you not see that I'm the right guy for this job? The next day, pick up the same Chicago Sun-Times again, and it says Northern Illinois University announced the resignation of their assistant coach. Now, I knew who Gene Cady was. I had no idea who the coach at Northern Illinois is. No idea. So I call 411, Northern Illinois University. Yeah, that number is 753-1000. I call it, do you have uh, men's basketball? Who's your coach? John McDougal. 
Never heard of the guy in my life. I said, uh, could you connect me? Yes, his extension is 1633. Hold on. I call. Well, Purdue had the secretary. Northern Illinois didn't even have a secretary. He answers his own phone. Basketball coach McDougal. I said, hey, coach, my name's David Kaplan. I'm the, the coach at Kellogg High School in St. Paul, Minnesota. Saw that your assistant, Mark Coombs, resigned, and I'd like to apply for that job. And uh, high school, you have any college experience? No, sir. How old are you? 21. Yeah, no chance. No shot. My AD is never going to go for that. I got to get somebody who's recruited before, blah, blah, blah. Coach, you got to let me drive out there and at least let me meet you. You've got no chance at the job. Coach, please, I could be there tomorrow. It's an hour and a half <laughs> from my house. I'll be there. Now, if he was still alive, he would tell you, I only agreed to meet with that son of a bitch because he wouldn't get off the phone. <laughs> and, and so I borrow a tie from my dad. I put on my little blue blazer, and I drive out to Northern. And you know how you meet somebody? You walk in a room, and you go, I'm marrying that girl, or that's going to be my best friend, or I don't like that person. In eight seconds, you size them up, and you're probably accurate. And that's how it was with this guy, except he's 64 years old, I'm 21, and we have zero in common. And I walk in, and I meet this guy, and I'm done. That's my guy. I love this dude. He said, let's go for a walk around campus. He takes me around campus. That's the building where our players live. That's where they go to school. That's the student center. That's our arena. Here's the coach's locker. We walk for three hours. We let's go get a cup of coffee. I didn't at the time. I didn't even drink coffee. Now I'm an addict. And I, I said, sure. I get a cup of coffee. I choke it down and we get done. He walks me to my car and he said, uh, David, you're a hell of a nice young man, and you're utterly unqualified for this job. <laughs> and I'm like, Coach, I can do this job. Yeah, no shot. But I appreciate you coming out. Best of luck to you. And he leaves. I get in the car, and I am cursing. I am furious. I'm beside myself. How can this guy not know that I can do this job? So now I saving my money for law school. I'm taking my law school prep class and I go to a basketball clinic. I save my money. Hubie Brown and Mike Fratello are putting on a basketball clinic in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I sign up. I go up there. I'm starting law school in 10 days and I go up to the clinic. I pay my money one night in the hotel. They have a coach's social. I'm meeting all these basketball people and I've got no job. I'm going to law school and have zero interest in doing it. And my mom pages me at the cl- at the basketball clinic. They and There's 600 coaches there. They page at the clinic. Yeah, David Kaplan, please go to the front desk. You have a phone call. There's no cell phones back then. I walk up. They're like, yeah, we've got four calls from your mom. She says it's urgent. you got to call home. Well, I'm thinking somebody must have had something horrible happen. I call her. She's like, did you not get my messages? Coach McDougal has been calling you from Northern. I'm like, he has? <laughs> I haven't talked to that dude in two months. So I call him back. He's like, you're a tough guy to get a hold of. I just wanted to let you know I hired somebody for that job. And I didn't want you to read it in the newspaper. 
classy move. And he, he said, but and by the way, the guy he hired was the guy that got fired at Purdue. How weird is that? Ah, yeah. I, irony. He says, uh, but I'm also calling my third assistant. It's called the part-time assistant, part-time pay, full-time hours. He <laughs> is, yeah, he is resigning. And before I open it up and post it, if you want that job, I'll give it to you. I said, wow. done, done, I'm in. He goes, hold on a minute. You don't know what it pays. You don't know what the level of commitment is. And your mother just told me when you start law school, like, end of next week. I said, coach, I have no effing interest in going to law school. I'm in. I don't care what it pays. If I have to work as a pizza delivery guy on the side, I'm in. He said, well, it pays $4,200 for the year, and I need you here next Thursday. 4200 bucks. And I said, done. I'll be there. Are you sure? I'm in. Listen to me clearly. This I'm meant to do this. I stay there four years. One year in, our recruiting coordinator gets sick. He gets hospitalized for six months. They call me in and they said, we're promoting you up to full-time assistant on the road recruiting. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to be rich. How much? <laughs> no, we don't have any more money in the budget. You're same $4,200. You're just going to be able to go watch high school games now and recruit players. Okay, I'm in. I spent 312 days on the road. There was no restrictions back then. Now you can't do that. And I end up, we signed a top 40 class. We signed two kids that went to the NBA. And I'm there for four years, and Coach McDougal gets fired. He's out. Now what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do for a living. So I figure, okay, I'm going to try and get another coaching job. But, I mean, there's a million guys like me, a million of us. I don't know if that's going to work. So I type up a scouting service of every kid I'm recruiting. And here's Adam. He's 6'7". He struggles going to his left. He's a good shooter. can put it on the deck going to the right. He's a good rebounder. He's got to get stronger. Here's his ACT score. Here's his grade point average. And here is his coach's home phone number, office phone number, and directions from O'Hare Airport to the high school. And so... I decide I print this up into a newsletter. I send it out to 250 coaches. My parents give me money for postage. And I'm hoping if I can get 100 coaches to give me 100 bucks for this thing, that's 10 grand. I can live at home. I can go to law school for the first year and then figure it out with zero interest in wanting to go. But I just don't know what else I'm going to do with my life. And I mail it out. Within three weeks, I've got 250 checks back with people that are subscribers that think this is a monthly newsletter. And I'm like, monthly newsletter? You got everything. <laughs> so screw law school. I start going to every spring league, summer league, camp, high school game. I go to all of it. And I start putting out a monthly newsletter on Chicago at Illinois high school, college basketball. And I start getting asked to do interviews on radio and TV shows. Like I'm getting a lot of publicity for this thing, but I still not making any money whatsoever. And I get a phone call 
that changed my life. Guy calls, it's snowing, and it's snowing like a blizzard out. Uh, David Kaplan, my name is John whatever, and I am from Sports Channel America. And I, our analyst got snowed in. I have a DePaul basketball game. They're number one in the country at the time. I have a basketball game in, in two hours at the Allstate Arena. I need to know if you've ever done any television because your name was given to me. You were a college coach. Well, I had never done anything but watch television. Nothing. And I say to him, oh, hell yeah, I've done a ton of TV. You have. Can you do this game for us? Absolutely. All right, I'll pay you $800, get to the arena. $800 is like a fortune to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, my late father went to DePaul. We were season ticket holders. I knew everything about every player on that team. Plus, when I was coaching, I had scouted DePaul because we played them. I knew everything about their offense, their defense, about every player, all of it. So I do the game. This guy walks up to me. He's like, wow. A two hours notice, you knew facts. I, I that was great. Why am I flying a guy from Los Angeles to Chicago to do these games? You're right here. I got eight more of these. You want them? They're all yours. Eight hundred a game. I'm gonna make more in eight games than I made four years of coaching, basically. So I said, "Yeah, done. I'm in." Well, that was 1987, and here I am, 2022, doing this teams call with you. I've got my own radio show on ESPN. I've been doing it forever. I got my own TV show on NBC. I'm in the Chicagoland Sports Hall of Fame. If you'd have told me that was all going to happen because I lied to some guy that I did TV, I would never have believed it. But if I tell him I had never done television, he's told me I would never have given you the chance. I would have gotten some TV broadcaster and let him do the game. And here I am, you know, what is that, 35 years later? And I built my career, and that's that's my story, and it's just amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, David, yeah. I mean, amazing, amazing story, and um, I think our listeners will really enjoy just getting to walk through your life and understanding, you know, the the ups and downs, and just the hustle, you know, that we hear from you, and I think everyone can appreciate that, right? And throughout that entire story, I really heard a passion for Chicago and Chicago land area. Right. And, you know, just kind of pivoting on that real quick. I know you teamed up with the crew at Bernie's Book Bank a couple of years ago to launch the annual Walk As One Chicago event. Um, and by the way, that's coming again on September 22nd. So what compelled you to walk 24 miles across Chicago and how did you convince others to join you? So in 2020, I'm seeing, you know, the pandemics going on. And we've got a divided country politically. You voted for who? I hate you. You didn't vote for who? I hate you. And so I said on the radio one morning, man, we need to bring people together. You're a Cubs fan, so you're supposed to hate the White Sox. But you hate the, you're a White Sox fan, you're supposed to root against the Cubs. Why? Why can't we just all get along and you have your perspective and I have my perspective? And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk home from work and I'm going to call it a unity walk. And so then we got into a meeting at the radio station. They go, that's a great idea, but why don't you put a charity angle with it? I'm like, that's a really good idea. They go, what charity? Now, I have a special needs son who's on the autistic spectrum. And 
like autism gets millions of dollars in funding. And I wanted to impact kids. I have four boys of my own. And so I had gotten to know of this charity, Bernie's Book Bank, who supplies books and high quality reading materials to underserved boys and girls in the Chicago area. And I want I want to support Bernie's Book Bank because I emceed an event for them. And they're an amazing, amazing organization. And I love the dude that runs it, this guy, Darren Utnick. Okay, done. So we reach out to Bernie's. Absolutely, we're in. In three weeks, we put this walk together. We raised between ninety dollars and $100,000. And we walked from my station all the way back to where I live. And it was 28 or 29 miles. Last year, we did it again, and we hit every stadium in the Chicago area. And then next Thursday on the 22nd, I'm walking from White Sox, guaranteed rate field, to Wrigley, where the Cubs play. Going to stop at two schools and make hand out books to underserved boys and girls, and then walk back to guaranteed rate. It'll be about 22 or 23 miles, and it, get to throw out the first pitch that night, stay for the White Sox Cleveland Guardians game. It's going to be an am- amazing night, and I'm hoping we raise a couple hundred grand. That is just awesome. I mean, just awesome. And uh, our listeners can uh, relate in the sense that Zebra has a special relationship with Bernie's Book Bank uh, for a number of years. And uh, we do a lot of volunteer work with Bernie's and the, the, the raising of you know, books for the bank itself. But um, what, an, what a powerful moment. What a powerful uh, gift you're giving to others to, uh, to help those and underserved areas uh, with the power of uh, of books and such. So it sounds like it's going to be an amazing event year this year. I love how you brought in uh, the game. And uh, I got to say, I'm originally from Cleveland, Cap. So saying you, hearing you say the Cleveland Guardians just doesn't settle that well with me. But uh, I hope you guys have a great game that night. Yeah, it's the Cleveland Guardians sounds bizarre. It does. But I also was in your city on November 2nd, 2016, which was the single greatest moment of my sports life. It's been great to be married to my beautiful wife and to have my four kids and my grandson. All that's been cool. And that I'll put that at the top. But to beat the Cleveland Indians ass in Game 7 of the World Series after 108 years was insanely cool. All right. So, hey, I was at that game as well. I wasn't inside the stadium. I was outside with the fans watching um, just outside the gates. And uh, if it was not for that rain delay, it could have been a different story. But I will tell you what, any other year, I would have been rooting for um, – I would have been rooting for the Cubbies as well. But um, that was a really exciting series, absolutely. Funny that you said that because Anthony Rizzo and I have a great relationship. I did his radio show while he was with the Cubs for six seasons, and I asked him at dinner one night. Let me ask you a question. Take me back to the moment of the rain delay and then Jason Hayward calling the meeting. He said, if it doesn't rain and Jay Hay doesn't call that meeting, there is 0% chance we beat the Cleveland Indians. Zero. He said, we were so messed up in the head from the home run, the curse is real, all that's going on. He's like, I don't think there's any chance we would have won that game. Well, I tend to agree with him, and um, it's uh, it's in the past now. And um, but what what 
That was an absolute awesome series. Happy to see it happen at the end of the day. I'm still hoping uh, Cleveland can can crawl back into uh, glory. Um, so tell us, what's the percentage of love for Cubs over the the Sox or vice versa? Um, I'm all Cubs, but I don't hate the White Sox. Back last summer, I bought a 15 game package because they have a better team than the Cubs right now, and went to the games. I root for the White Sox unless they're playing the Cubs. That's fair. I love that. I, you know, I'm born and raised Cleveland. I, go, I have nothing but respect for, for Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh sports teams. So I get it. I absolutely get it. That's the way it should be. Yeah. yeah. It, look, if you're passionate about your team, you have every right to demand that they try to win and they play the game, all of it. But I can't root against a team that has Chicago on its jersey. Like, I don't understand people who live in Chicago that play, that are from here, that are Green Bay Packer fans. That makes me sick. <laughs> that sounds about right. Doesn't it, Hale? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there might be some listeners out there who that, who that would uh, fit to their description. So I completely agree. And, uh, you know, Cap, you know, so much of your talk with us has been just fueled with passion, right? We can just tell that you are extremely passionate about what you do the teams that you root for, uh, the people that you represent, the places you go, all those things, right? And, you know, I, I think me and Adam both think that you could have a great story uh, to put on paper and as, as a book, right? Have you ever thought about writing a book about your life or maybe like a children's book tied to sports or anything about that? So I have. I think I will. But for me to be who I really am, authentic, I wrote a book on the Cubs rebuild called the plan and the editor of triumph books called me february of 2016 he said hey would you be interested in writing a book about the cubs organization and you know just a big picture look at the team and 100 year i said no zero interest why four billion books like that i said now we're winning the World Series this year. If you want me to write a book because I'm around the team every day, I'm doing their pre and post game for 25 years. If you want me to write a book about how Theo Epstein came in here and changed the culture and is building a freaking franchise that we can now not be the lovable losers, I'm your guy. He goes, well, yeah, but who's going to read a book? What are you going to call it? I said, the plan. He said, well, who's going to read that if they don't win the World Series? Because the plan failed. And I said, well, if you're willing to put your you-know-what's on the line, I'm telling you in February of 2016, we are winning the World Series. He said, it's been 108 years. What do you know that no one else knows? I said, if I was you, I'd get to Vegas and I'd start betting them. They're going to win the World Series. If you want to do this book, I'm in. He's like, "Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'll roll the dice. Let's do it. We did it, and they they won the World Series. Wow! Game seven, thunderstorm, Great. delay, come back and win it all. I mean, it was unbelievable. What a season! What a story that you have. I mean, just awesome. Yeah. Now to write a book on my life, yes, I will some point want to do that because I think I have some great stories. In fact, I know I do because I like I was the guy who when I was a a NBA scout, I was consulting for a trading card company. 
And I went down to do some media work at the NBA draft that was being held in Indianapolis. And I'm in an elevator after I got done interviewing the first three picks in the draft. It was that morning. They're going to get drafted that night. Glenn Robinson, Jalen Rose, and Jawan Howard. And I <laughs> do the interviews. And now this is 1994, I believe. You have to drive the tape back to Chicago. There's no internet to feed digitally like now and so we're leaving and i'm on the elevator and there's this guy in the back of the elevator and he keeps staring at me and i look back i'm like can i help you brother he said are you cap i said i am he goes i'm so and so i work for these two agents and they represent a lot of nba players he said i'm gonna be seeing a lot more of you oh yeah why is that he said because i represent sean kemp and we ju- he just got traded to the Chicago Bulls. I'm heading to Chicago right now to meet his plane. He's got to pass a physical before the trade is official, before the draft tonight. Hang on a second. The Rain Man Seattle is trading Sean Kemp. I scouted for Seattle. What, why would they trade him? Because they're getting Scottie Pippen in return. No way. Said, they're not getting Scottie Pippen. He said, Cap, it's a done deal. The trade's done. You didn't get it from me. It's done. So I start making calls like a maniac at a payphone trying to confirm this. And I get a hold of somebody that I scouted with in Seattle. He's like, dude, how'd you find this out? It's top secret. <laughs> uh, I got my sources. He's like, yeah, it's done. Yeah, it's a done deal. Done wow. deal. Yeah, Scotty Pippen to the Sonics for Sean Kemp, Ricky Pierce, and the 11th pick in the first round. So I grab a phone, I call into my radio station, and I break this story. And it goes national. There's no Twitter back then. It goes everywhere. Well, I get a call to go on a radio interview in Seattle on KJR. The owner of the radio station also owns the team. I go on talk about the trade unbeknownst to me they get like 600 fans call and cancel their season tickets because the rain man is like a huge deal out there and scotty pippen the guy who sat out with the headache yeah that's the guy the owner of the team hears all these people calling in on the radio going i just canceled my tickets can't believe they would trade this guy he calls George Carlin, the, the coach, who just went in the Hall of Fame. And he calls him and he goes, trades off. I'm not signing off on the deal. He's like, what do you mean? We're not making that trade. He goes, listen to me. Sean has a lot of off-the-court issues. A lot. We're making an amazing trade here. You're getting one of the best players in the sport. Nope, not going to sign off on it. Trade falls through. I get ripped. You broke a story that didn't happen. So to make a very long story short, my one of my closest friends was Rick Majerus, the coach at Marquette and St. Louis U and ESPN guy. So I go to Rick's funeral, and there is George Carl. I walk up to George Carl. George, I'm David Kaplan. I was a really good friend of Rick's. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're the radio TV guy in Chicago. I've been out with you a couple of times. He said, hey, I got a question for you. Did you make a trade? Sean Kemp for Scottie Pippen. That's a really sore subject, and I don't want to get into it. I go, George, you got to tell me the truth. Did you make that deal? Yeah, I did make that deal. 
He said, and I'll tell you what happened. Jerry Krause, the GM of the Bulls, he gave it to some asshole in the Chicago media, and the guy broke the story in my <laughs> and the store And the trade got put on hold. I said, that's not true. What do you mean it's not true? I was there. I said, I can tell you what happened. Sean Kemp's agent gave it to me, and I broke the story. I'm the asshole in the Chicago media. He said, listen to me. If I'd seen you the next day, I would have physically beaten you. He said, (laughs) single-handedly, if you don't go on that radio interview, that trade is done, and we have Scottie Pippen. You single-handedly broke up that trade. Yeah, true story. So that probably be the title of my book. Hey, Chicago, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's wow. so good. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, Cap, what, what an incredible story. Again, you're just full of these incredible stories. So, you know, a lot of sports is storytelling, right? Trying to craft uh, things that are interesting to listeners, viewers, etc. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue a career in the sports world, whether on the field or court or maybe on air? Uh, to pursue a career in the sports field, you have to be passionate about it because I can't tell you how many times I went on a date and then I would get a call or back when we had pagers, Hey man, we had a guest cancel. Can you come on this radio show and talk basketball? And I would have a, a date sitting in a movie theater and I'd be out in the lobby on a payphone. And I remember distinctly a girl I had really liked. She came out. She's like, are you kidding? You've been gone for like a half hour. We're on a date. I said, this is my career here. Sorry. Never saw her again. She was mad at me. Whatever. I was not going to let anyone get in my way. But to work in sports, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, a broadcaster, a media member of some type, they play on Saturday nights. They play on Sundays. You don't work nine to five. You're on call. If a story breaks, let's go. My cell phone is never, ever turned off. Even when I'm on the air, I may put it on silent. That phone is with me. And if a story breaks and I get a call, and I have many times, at 3 o'clock in the morning, let's go. God forbid a player got killed in an auto accident. And I remember that story. I remember Harry Carey dying, and I'm getting the call at 2.30 in the morning. You got to come in right now. Harry Carey just collapsed. And I stayed down there for three days in a hotel till he finally passed. And then I was the guy because I was the Cubs announcer that they wanted to announce it on the radio. It's, it's a very rewarding way to make a living. It's awesome. I would not trade with anyone, but I have friends who their wife was not going to sit by and say, Saturday night, you got to go cover a game. No. Who you pick for your partner is the single most important decision you make in your life. You have to be teammates. And my, I'm on my second wife. We've been married almost 20 years. Her dad was a coach. She gets it. She's got a work ethic like I do. So if she tells me, hey, Saturday night, I've got to be, she's a, a vice president of a restaurant company. Hey, we've got an event at the restaurant. I got to work. I don't say, what do you mean? It's Saturday night. We got to go out. Yeah, whatever it takes. That's whatever it takes. I have a tattoo on my right shoulder that says live life all in. If I'm going to be your friend, I'm all in. If I'm going to come on your team's call, I'm going to give you the best I've got. I'm going to 
pour my heart out and let you know my story to the best of my ability. If I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to diet. I'm not going to go, well, I'll get that pizza and that donut right now, and I'll start the diet again tomorrow. Then you're not all in. If I'm going to be your friend, I'm going to be your friend to the death, or why are we wasting everybody's time? And that's how I've approached my, my career. That's how I've approached my life. Well, heck, man, I'm fired up. Let's go. Let's go. All in. I, I love I, it. No, Cap, the real I, deal. You heard it I, here today, ladies and gentlemen. This is how it should be. Passionate about all things. Uh, clearly, your your profession, your life, your family, your causes. Um, Cap, you're doing some great things in this world, and uh, we thank you. I feel honored that we had 30-plus minutes here today with you for some storytelling, some banter, some back and forth. Um, we're going to wrap up things for today, but we do want to stay in touch. We want to hear about how the, um, the walk as one Chicago goes here just in another week. And then um, we should definitely follow back up here uh, as we get into uh, the baseball playoffs and uh, the rest of the football season. Would love to pick your brain again here and um, share with the Zebra Nation everything about sports in the Chicagoland. Love to. You got my number. I'm, I'm in anytime you want me. That's awesome. One last thing here. So if people want to join the walk or just donate to the cause, where should they go online? Bernie'sBookBank.org. Bernie'sBookBank.org. And it's amazing. Wilson Contreras of the Cubs, Kyle Hendricks, Tom Ricketts, all these different people from the Chicago sports world have called me and said, hey, I'd like to make a donation. I mean, Kyle Hendricks, I got a FedEx showed up at my house. There's a $5,000 check in there. I mean, People are really stepping up, and I can't tell you what it means to help all these kids. Awesome. And you all heard that, Zebra Nation and friends. Go to Bernie'sBookBank.org and register now to walk 24 miles across Chicago with David and your closest friends later this week. That's awesome, Cap. Best of luck to you guys. Same to you, Cap. We will be in touch. All right, Zebra Nation, we will catch you next time. You guys be good. Hey, you do the same.